Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Castle Rock. Today we'll be covering the second episode from season two of Castle Rock titled New Jerusalem. And Sweet. we are recording on my favorite, one of my favorite holidays, <laughs> Halloween. Ah! This is yes. Halloween. This is Halloween. Halloween. And uh, so I want to <laughs> share a quick story. So yes. uh, this was last year we took uh, my son to like a grocery store. They had kind of like a, you know, an indoor trick-or-treating kind of thing. Oh, he's still yeah, kind of young. That's but nice. He's almost four now, so it's the perfect time of year to let him run around. He's Batman. I was dressed up as Harry from Dumb and Dumber, so it's perfect. Yay. Pictures, p- pictures where it didn't happen. Uh, my favorite, we'll get some for sure, but my favorite house that we went to. So there's a house, is the f- second or third house we went to. The guy, you see him in his windows walking and he's wearing a full Michael Myers outfit. Oh, uh uh-uh. uh. And he opens <laughs> the door and just kind of leans down and lets you take chocolate and then sits back up and just kind of stands there as you walk away. You're like, well, oh that's creepy. But then as you're walking away, he stands in his window. And just stares at you guys as you're walking away. And this is a huge, oh. like, road. And you just keep walking and looking. It's like, oh, yep, still there. He's still there. <laughs> oh, still there. And my son, I think it's because he watches so much Scooby-Doo. He, uh, he's like, well, that dude's got candy, so he should be okay. Which probably isn't the best thing to teach probably a kid. Probably not. Let's teach our kids to accept candy from strangers <laughs> yeah. wearing masks. Yeah. But he's like, oh, he's all right. He's got candy. He's like, yeah. I was like, do you want to go back? Like, we're about to finish that. I'm like, do you want to go back there? He's like, yeah, let's go back there and get more candy. I'm like, well, we'll have to have a talk at some point, buddy. But uh, mm-hmm. I thought I'd share that story because it was pretty clever. He had the Halloween yeah. music playing, too, as you walked up, which was really awesome. Nice. So that was my I like Halloween. it when – that's awesome. I like it when people go all in. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. But good story. Yep. So, but now we're on to Castle Rock episode two. And Rima, if you don't mind, I'll go ahead and jump in and start. Please do. Uh, so, a little service, a little, uh, you know, public service announcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my number five, I want to say call before you dig. I think all places <laughs> have like the numbers, just like 1 800 dig right and all that. That's right. Uh, and this. <laughs> episode proved to you that yes if you're gonna dig you need to call before you dig because you could hit a gas line you could hit a water line you could hit like some weird creepy satanic witch burial ground from like 300 Mm. years ago and plummet to what could be your death we don't know uh but we see our hero our heroine you know taking ace's body out is gonna bury it underneath his brother's uh new mall he's building and she kind of gets herself in a little bit more trouble uh was really creepy all those like cicada things flew out and you know yeah and beetles i i think beetles or cicadas i couldn't get quite a good look at them i was confused like when they um first started like flying out in the last episode and they're just like flying up out of there um i thought they were like locusts or like cicadas um but i think they're beetles because we we saw – so when she's down there, there's like a beetle on one of those coffins or sarcophagus. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you can just see them all around. Um, and was, wasn't there like some – am I making this up or dreaming this? Like hieroglyphics or something it on the walls like too? It. Yeah, like ritualistic maybe. Um but that, yeah, that definitely I think looked like beetles. an Egyptian kind of thing, like you'd see from the mummy. Like it reminded me of, of the first mummy. Oh yeah, those, like those... the mummy, like when they crawled up underneath the skin, yeah. and you could see Ooh. them like digging their way in. Yeah, like oh, that's your brain. creepy. Ugh. Yeah, up into your eyeballs and behind your head. Ugh. But we see her fall into this thing. She tries to get out. She can't. I, I was really like, it was a cool little scene too, and it was kind of cool yeah. to see. You know, she's kind of you know. Breaking down the situation, she's like, well, I can't get up here, but she follows the water path, which leads into, like, an even creepier tunnel underneath Mm -hmm. all this stuff, which, you know, they talk about, like, I think France is really bad with, not bad, but, you know, has a lot of this where, you know, there's so many, like, underground tunnels and, like, the city's built on top of, like, where they used to bury people kind of thing. Isn't there, I don't remember what they call it, but there's, like, a place where it's, like, tons of bones where they basically had to dump bodies during the plague. 
Pretty much. That people yeah. supposedly still go down to. I've heard people like find like these rooms where they have like raves and stuff like that. Like super creepy. And that's what's under your feet here in Jerusalem. You know, uh, not New Jerusalem. It's uh, yeah, Jerusalem's, Jerusalem's a lot. lot. Yeah. But yeah. So I'm. What do you it's think right of that there. whole situation? Uh, you know, it was spooky, scary. Was really well done. And I think it was the perfect person to kind of fall into this. Yeah, Annie seems to just kind of fall into trouble wherever she's at, it seems. Um, she just can't avoid it, it appears, as hard as what she tries um, to stay out of the spotlight um, and to not have attention drawn to her. Uh, she's got it all over her um, in, in this situation for sure. Um, it definitely was a scary place, definitely super creepy seeing this big room full of bodies and so you're like okay so what is this room what was its purpose who's buried there why are they buried here you know all in one place what are all of these markings on the wall what is the representation of that beetle because we keep seeing beetles more and more throughout the um um, the episode so what what does that mean is there significance to that um i think we're going to learn learn more going forward and i certainly had um an it vibe when she starts following the path of the water yeah. to the oh, yeah, to yeah. the grate, when the, she's the the leaf that hits the water and, Hi, and yeah, goes Andy. to the grate, I know. Didn't I was like, don't follow the leaf. <laughs> well, no, no, don't don't go that way. And she's wearing like this yellow kind of slicker, um, you know, like this raincoat, like Georgie did, you know, mm. in it. So there's there's a few callbacks there. So it was it was fun and it was interesting. Um, but yeah, she had quite an adventure. Um, as she made her way through the tunnel and up through that house. So um, I think we're going to find more about that um, as as we continue into the rest of the episodes. But I liked it. I thought it was a really great – I like how they jumped right in oh, from agreed. where we yeah. left off. You know, I don't like – feel like, like I'm missing something, you know, so I like how they just basically picked it right up. So I was I was pleased with all of that. They're, I think they're doing a really good job um, with these cold opens. But yeah, really well done. That's my number five is call before you dig. I like that. That's that's funny. It's absolutely. Hey, um, three to five business days, man. Mm-hmm. Gotta gotta wait. Yeah, let them mark. There's nothing worse than hitting a pipe and being like, oh, I think that's a rock. Tink tink tink. Boom. Yeah. Boom. All over you. Yeah. That's that's good. I like it. Good number five. Well, my number five. I want to talk a little bit about pops and his experience with the war. So. They they don't answer a whole lot of questions, but I feel like we we get a lot of things that are alluded to when we learn about Pops um, and and how he was in the war. Because didn't we hear Ace or was it Ace? Yeah, I think said something to Pops. You know, like oh, we we wouldn't want to talk about what happened. You know, I can't remember the exact quote, but he calls him like Sergeant Major or something like that. And Pops, you know, warms him. He's like, you know, I would, you know, you do good not to talk about that ever again. So it's like, oh well, something happened, and clearly he was in the military. So we get some flashbacks of him in Somalia. And I want to get your opinion. What do you think of the possibility that Pops killed Abdi and Nadia's mother? Uh, Somalia? Yeah. So this is actually my number four is Somalian kind of pop secret. So, you know, there's, it seems like he's got a lot of guilt. Uh, we find out too, I don't know if we found this out in the first episode or not, but we found out that Ace and his brother are actually his nephews, which yes. I don't remember if we knew in the last episode or not. I think I, I guessed at that. I felt that there was nephews not as biological. Yeah. But, you know, there's something know. that Nadia's brother knows that she obviously doesn't. And he's, again, looks like he's got tons of guilt. So, yep. you know, is it that, you know, Pop killed her, their, her, their parent, their mom? Did something happen with his, you know, group of soldiers and her mom? Uh I don't know. There's like so many possibilities. I guess I don't know the year. I'm guessing that the year that they come over would have been about the time that like he was uh, coming back. So I don't think there's any like chance that he's like their actual dad or anything like that. Right. You know, I kind of like thought maybe there's some weird stuff there maybe, but I don't think that would really line up time wise. No, I don't think so because they were in the we, – we see Abdi and Nadia in the church and it says that the year was 1994 and that's um, yes, when they're all in the church and the preacher's praising Pops for um, 
welcoming the Somalis in the town and also opening up his warehouse for the ones that want to open businesses. And then we see him um, fostering Abdi and, and Nadia um, soon after that. So we know that they aren't biological, but it it makes you wonder what was his motivation for wanting to adopt and care for them? Why those two? Um, you know, and, and, and does that have something to do with it? But I don't know. I, I feel like they're alluding to that. We don't see that. I mean, we see just very brief glimpses of, of his backstory and, and in the war, we don't know exactly what happened. And even though I think I, they're trying to allude to that pops might've killed, uh, their mother when he was in Somalia, I feel like it's almost too obvious. Um, cause I feel like with Castle Rock, they, they try to lead us almost there, but they're really going to indirectly kind of lead us somewhere else. Um, and maybe he's indirectly responsible. Maybe, maybe he, he didn't actually do it, but maybe he was in a position to have stopped it and didn't or something. I don't know. But, um, I don't know. I think Pops is a very interesting character. I really like how he kind of goes back and forth between being this hard-ass mob boss in this small town to then he has these really soft, nice moments with Nadia. You can tell that he really cares for her and, you know, he's he's really proud of her and, you know, from where she's come from, the life that she came from over in Somalia and she's made herself, you know, um, a doctor and really done well for herself. Abdi has, you know... They seem to have their disagreements, but you can tell that he's proud of him as well and that he's, you know, making his own business and, you know, doing his own thing. Um, so it's it's nice to see that contrast. So I, I like Pops so far. He's he d- he's definitely all about his family. He's an interesting character. And he seems to be the only one in Castle Rock that really remembers anything about Castle Rock. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like everybody just kind of forgets what happens there. It's kind of like um, in Derry, in It. Oh, yeah, when, yeah. And, uh, and spoiler alert, if no one knows anything about It, but you know how like everyone in Derry just kind of forgets how all the terrible things that happens in Derry. And everybody has just like this amnesia. Um, so it, it, it's what it kind of reminds me of. It's like the people in Castle Rock just kind of forget about all the terrible things that happened there. And he's the only one that remembers because he corrects those people in the bar yeah. um, about oh, witches. Yeah. Like, oh, well, you know, they have all these um, witch tourist, you know, things happening and they get all kinds of revenue and, and things happening in their town. And we need to do that with Castle Rock. And he's like, um, those were Satanists and the Satanists made a bad deal with the wrong hombre and they burned for it. And I was like, oh, yeah, good job. You know, he he remembers and. So I'm, I'm kind of interested in what else he knows, um, but I, I am really intrigued. And plus, just super biased because it's Tim Robbins. Yeah, and yeah. I love Tim Robbins forever and ever and ever because he is will always be Andy Dufresne to me. So, so. I'm curious, the only real like, so this was taking place in uh, Jerusalem's lot and the cops that picked up, I always get his name wrong. Abdi. Abdi were from Castle Rock. I don't know if you caught that. The car that pulled up was a Castle Rock police car. I know. I feel like there's just this tiny little bridge or something that separates the town. I feel like it was only like three miles, if I remember correctly. And I mean, I haven't watched it since we covered it season one. Um, But when, shoot, and I've already forgotten his name. Um, But when they go from Castle Rock to Jerusalem's lot to catch the bus to leave town, I feel like it wasn't that far of a shot to go from Castle Rock to, because it feels like it's just neighboring. Yeah. For some reason, I just, I guess they, I knew, thought they were like close, but not like walking distance close, I guess. But it seems like they're more kind of like, like twin cities kind of thing or small town. Kind of. Because he was at the Mellow Tiger, right? Which was what we saw in the first one. Yeah, and that was in Castle Rock, right? I feel like I they're so, almost yeah. I feel like they're almost like one mel it's like they're two separate cities, towns, but they're almost kind of melded. Yeah. Which is a very you know? uh which I guess is a very East Coast thing because when I was in like Red Bank, Leonardo, that place, like all these little bitty towns all are basically like right next to each other. Like you literally yes. are crossing like it's not like where like you leave a city then twenty minutes later you're in the next city. It's like you leave a town to enter a town and vice versa. Very so much that would make so. Sense. Well, and it, I mean, for me, it makes perfect sense because where I grew up, my teeny tiny little town, um, that of course still there today. I don't live there, but this teeny tiny little town that I went to school, um, the the next town was literally just 
probably a quarter of a mile, half a mile from the outer edge of my tiny little town. And it's a slightly larger tiny town um, than, than what I grew up in. I mean, there was McDonald's there, so that was a big deal. Um, you know, there's a couple places to go shopping, so that was a big deal. Um, and it was literally almost like the exact same setup. When I picture in my head with Castle Rock and Jerusalem's Law is very much what I think of in, in my small towns. And I feel like you're right. In in small rural areas or t- towns like that, you literally just kind of hop from town to town like that. That's not like your bigger cities where you know, you've got a big stretch between, between each. So it makes sense to me because I grow up uh, in, you know, kind of like a similar environment, but that's what I'm kind of thinking. I feel like it was almost about three miles or so. For some reason, that's just kind of what stuck in my head from season one when they were getting on the bus. Cause the bus didn't come to Castle Rock. It went to Salem's lot. Um, and that's when we kind of got our first glimpse of Salem's lot was um, when they went to get on the bus um, to leave. So, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I get confused. I feel like I get confused when I'm watching. Um, are we in Salem's Lot? Are we in Castle Rock? Are we, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I, I see that. Well, I think maybe that, maybe that, I can find something definitive about that, that. Helps make it make a little bit more sense. So <clears throat> you know, if you think of it that way, just because again, like he probably. It's kind of almost like a Porky's too, where the towns are next to each other. It's like, well, I don't have jurisdiction, <laughs> but you have jurisdiction, kind of thing. Oh god, there's a movie I haven't thought of in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I love Porky's. <laughs> I can identify it. Well, what do you want us to do? Have a lineup? It had a mole on it. Yep. <laughs> <clears throat> Porky's too, I think, was actually better. Porky's Revenge. Um but, anyway, well, and I feel like the maps, maybe we should post a map or something. Oh, yeah. Because they, they do show the maps on the show sometimes, and it looks like they're like sitting right next to each other. So I don't know. I'll see if I can find that online. And we can settle that debate. And uh, that actually was my number four, too, was the Somalia uh, question as well. So nice. what do you have for your number four? My number four, um, I want to talk a little bit about the Marston House, which is where Annie ended up after she went through the grate and went up some steps that were blocked off. Um So this is what I found online. This is not um, my words here. Um, So Marston House, for anyone that doesn't know, because I needed a little bit of help. I thought having some background on what this in the Stephen King uh, universe kind of means. Um, So Marston House was essentially a character in its own right in Stephen King's novel Salem's Lot. The house overlooked the town of Jerusalem's lot and was considered to have an evil presence. The former residents of murderer Hubie Marston, where he killed himself and his wife, the house haunted Ben Mears his entire life. Um, Ben returned to Salem's lot to write about the Marston house, but after he arrived, discovered that the house was um, purchased by Kurt Barlow, an Austrian immigrant who arrived in the lot to ostensibly open a store. Barlow was on an extended buying trip. Only his business partner, Richard Straker, uh, was seen in public. The Marston House represented the evil and corruption that existed in Salem's Lot. In the novel, the Marston House was described as sitting above the town like a ruined king, and that the evil that Hubie Marston did in the house left a dry charge behind, which attracted other evils, such as Kurt Barlow. So you're welcome. You got a little history lesson <laughs> tonight on the Marsden house, but I thought that was kind of interesting to kind of just understand the significance. I mean, I guess even if you didn't know or understand the background, a little bit of what this house kind of meant in the lore of Salem's lot in the books um, and maybe from the movie, um, you know, that might kind of help. I think you can kind of already tell just by how the house, when they show it overlooking um, the, the construction site, um, and then, of course, with Annie being in there, and then whenever Abdi's, um, I don't think we got his name, but uh, whenever his worker went up there to confront the the squatters, um, you can just tell that this house is probably significant. They keep showing the name of it, um, so you can probably already guess that, but that if that helps, just kind of give you a little history lesson of, of you know, the area itself. Um, I just thought it was kind of interesting because there were clearly some things that happened um, not only in the crypt um, where Annie was when Ace fell um, down there, but also looks like there's been some activity in the house. Like there's probably over the years, like rituals that have taken place um, 
there's lots of paint and things on the wall. Squatters have been, which brave squatters. I mean, I guess if this place is, you know, um, attracts evil um, and all types of terrible things have, have happened there, well, kudos to you for being brave enough to like basically squat in a haunted ass house full of evil. Well, right? I mean, nothing gets me more excited than a haunted house too. So we get a nice old booty shot there with uh, these squatters getting it on. Which, you know, you're scared, you're worried. I mean, what's what's there left to do? I mean, a ghost isn't going to attack you at that point. But yeah, this is actually my no. number three, too, is the Marston house. Oh, like you see, like, again, this reminded me a lot of every now and then if you're on Reddit or some other kind of like internet site, you'll see somebody be like, hey, I moved this refrigerator and I found this secret door that led down to this weird path and took me deep underground and led to all these like weird rooms and stuff like that. And, you know, whenever you see that, like first off secret door, you had me there at being like move out. Like that's all you need to do right there is move out. Cause this secret layer led to this house. Right. And all the creepy stuff you saw underneath it, like you don't have secret passageways for good reasons. Like right. if, if any, no. yeah, if any movie TV shows taught me anything like bad things are going to happen in there. And we already got to see it here. We see, like you said, the guy goes in to kick out the squatters and what's he get ax to the head, a la, yep. you know, the shining exactly and dragged down into there. So lots of creepiness. I like that. Um, this really wasn't just a one off too. That this Marston house, which is a very much a character in the Salem lot, you know, in, in Stephen King universe, feels yes. like it's going to play a big part in this too. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And ooh, ooh, you know, you just said that. I wasn't even thinking. It didn't even make a, a connection in my brain. So, and I, I know we're going to talk about it, but, w- you know, considering what happens to Ace later on, I think he's dragging him down into the crypt to have him come back to that's kind of the gist Maybe. I was getting at the end yeah okay I wasn't even making that connection I was just thinking he was like hiding the body or something but because he burned those other bodies which how did he do that by the way yeah and they left know. the fire kind of going too which was I was kind of like oh well that's bad then he looks over and you see just the burnt other bodies it's just uh just lots of yeah, weirdness going crispy. on there crispy yeah that's really good. Yeah, I'm excited to learn a little bit more about the Marston house and see how much of a character it might play here in the show, um, just like it did in his novels. Maybe we'll get a little bit more history. And, and of course, we know that with Castle Rock, they kind of take a few liberties. You know, uh, it, it, they, they kind of put some stuff in there for, for fans of Stephen King that know um, a, a lot of the books or the movies or whatever and are fans. Um, so they, they like to kind of pull from that, of course, for inspiration, but they kind of make their own thing, kind of like with Annie Wilkes. You know, she's, you know, a character, but there's a little bit of a, dif- a departure from how we know her in misery. So, you know, who knows where they might take this, but I'm, I'm pretty interested um, to learn more about it anyway. Yeah. I like, I really do like that too. It's a good point. You know, they've I, I really like when we first saw this, we're like, Oh, this is a misery storyline, but we're really getting more of this pops and the misery things kind of playing a little bit into it. But, you know, and now you've got really kind of a Salem lot esque story kind of playing. So really, I feel like this is kind of getting more into the Stephen King universe. So I don't know if that's just going to be kind of the the nods or if it's going to kind of guide us more into that. We're like first season, we had a little bit of it, but it kind of was just its own thing with some little nods here or there. But I feel like this might be leading us into more of that, if that makes sense. It does make sense. We share a brain, Sean. So everything, (laughs) (laughs) I always get what you say. But yeah, that was um, my number three too. Was the the master house? So if I like it, what do you have for your number two? We are in sync today. Um, well, actually, it's my number, oh, your three. number three. Sorry. Yes. No. It's cool. It's cool. I don't have my numbered. I don't number them anymore. I have them in order, but I don't put numbers on it anymore. I'm not going to label things. Um, well, my number three. I want to talk a little bit about Joy. Um, so this poor girl. She's really thinking she's going to be able to kind of settle a little bit, you know, and she's, you can tell even from just the first episode, how much she craves a connection with people, her own age makes total sense. Looks like she's been on the road pretty much since the day she was born um, with Annie, her mom. 
Um, and that's all that she knows. And her mom and her are really close. And we find out that, you know, she's never really been to the dentist. She's never been to, at least as far as we know, a doctor because her mom um, did her stitches. Um, apparently is, you know, also her dentist or hygienist and cleans her teeth. And and so, you know, and I know that she does that so she doesn't draw attention um, and that they can keep moving and such. So this girl's been pretty isolated and she's definitely at that age, you know, where she wants to hang with people, you know, Hey mom, I don't want to sing, you know, uh, let the river run anymore. I want to hang out with kids my own age and you don't blame her. Right. I mean, it's totally normal. Um, and she is seeing that getting sucked away from her, uh, quite quickly when Annie comes home and she is like, we have to leave. So i I've, feel really bad for her. Um, and you can see how upset that she is. And you can see this tear in the bond that her and her mom have when she's, you know, she's leaving and she ends up, you know, falling and such. And then she's, when she's in that little room, um, after she's gotten her stitches and stuff, um, she starts to Google, you know, her mom, she's Googling about the nurse's license and having to move around because her mom has apparently told her, well, you have to move around, you know, in order for me to keep my license and stuff. And why would she know any different, right? That's all she knows. Um, so I feel really bad for her. And and you can see the struggle of she wants to have friendships with these people that she's met, but she also has a loyalty to her mom. So I think that's going to be really interesting moving forward you know, the dynamic between these two, um, the struggles of Annie trying to keep her really close as Joy tries to pull away and kind of, you know, be her own person um, and kind of break away from her mom, which is something I think is pretty typical of a lot of kids her age. You know, kids want to kind of be their own person. They want to kind of get out from their parents' shadow and, you know, they kind of just want to be their own. And, um, you know, clearly that's going to be pretty tough for Annie to let to let go. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on on all of that? Uh, well, this uh, we are definitely in sync because this is my number two. Is uh, <laughs> Joy starting to see the lie? So yeah. it was kind of that you know, like you said, she learns about like, oh, I've never been the dentist. My mom takes care of me because her her mother was a dental hygienist, and she talks about needing to move a lot because her mom says if you know nurses don't move, they'll lose their license. And you know, her mother's kept her away from the phone for a long time, so she hasn't really been able to put these key factors in, into place and she starts asking questions and then she starts saying, okay, well, what about my name, my mother's name? It's like, we are nowhere on the internet. And I think she's starting to see through this, which, <coughs> you know, you talk about Castle Rock kind of throwing you off. Is this going to be a scenario where her mother is indeed keeping her safe and yeah. her, you know, kind of pushing the boundaries is going to put them both in kind of a dangerous situation, unintentionally, of course. But like her mother knows something. She's running from something or someone, and by her kind of getting out there and looking at this stuff and kind of knocking on doors and you know putting feelers out there that shouldn't be out there, that it's going to cause all this stuff to kind of come back on them. So, uh, yeah, it was. It's it's going to be interesting to see this dynamic because it's it's a good question of you know is Joy keeping Annie in check or is all of Annie's kind of built up and, you know, emotional and psychological issues really tied to all the stress that's tied to keeping them safe. Right. And, and what are they running from is, is what she's doing really keeping them safe or is it just part of her crazy paranoia, you mm -hmm. know, um, that, that's driving that. So I don't know yet. Um, waiting for that to unfold. Um, okay, good. We're, we're, we're pretty much on the same page with that for sure. I, I, I keep just totally railroading all, all over your points because we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're totally in sync here. I feel like you're not getting really able to express yourself <laughs> very much because I'm just, ah, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it first. Um, well, maybe we'll get off sync just a little bit on this next one. I really like that though, but um, well, that was your number two, you said? Yep, that was my number two. Okay, well, then I'll talk about my number two, and maybe I won't railroad you this time. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about Annie, because I, I really just loving her as a character right now. Um, I think she's really interesting, and loving Lizzie Kaplan, again, so much. I think she's doing so well with this role. And I think that really, I mean, if you didn't think it before, um, I think the scene when Pop Pops confronts her 
um, in the hospital. You know, she's in a tizzy. Uh, Joy has been left alone. She didn't want her to go back there in the room with her. Um, and she's probably very afraid for the very reasons that Joy was left alone. Dr. H starts poking around and asking questions. Now, she doesn't know about the phone or anything, but, you know, she feels like, you know, if she's not left alone, she can't control the situation and, and Joy might slip up and say something. Um, so she's already, you know, in a panic about that. She's been moved to a different room. Um, and then here's Pops in front of her. And, and Pops is not one to mince words. He's like, let's cut the bullshit. He's not even, you know, messing with her um, as far as why he's there and, and where to see her. So clearly she's stressed. I mean, she's just she's killed Ace. Uh, she wants to leave town. Um, Joy is hurt and and they're fighting. So she's got all kinds of things going on. And so I think it was really clever of her when she is able to make that switch, it was almost kind of like you could just see this visible switch in her um, where she was able to take the attention off of her and she puts on this brilliant performance. Um, and not only as Annie, the character turning and putting on this really great performance for pops, but Lizzie Kaplan in this moment who really is able to lean into this role. Um, and in this moment tells pops about Abdi and, you know, gives her, you know, made up version of events to Pops um, to kind of take take that off of her, which I thought was really clever. She really turned on the tears and it was believable, right? I mean, everything that she said, it was you know, a, made a perfect mix, sense. It, yeah, it was that like, I'm going to give you a little bit of truth mm-hmm. with a little bit of fiction and you got to kind of see through the lie because, you know, she didn't really lie too much, but she didn't really tell the full truth either. Exactly. Well, and it was just enough. I mean, she doesn't know this already, but what he already knows about Abdi himself and the, and the troubles between him and Ace, when Nadia, again, is like, because he's like, well, where's Abdi? What's he going to do? And she's like, I don't know. So he already knows and he can't get a hold of Abdi. He can't get a hold of Ace. So he's, you know, he's already kind of down that path. And, and you know, Annie, even though she doesn't have all of that information, she definitely just keeps leading him down that path. So it makes it pretty believable even though it's a fiction, at least that part of it when she tells him, you know, hey, somebody showed up in a car and followed Ace into the woods and, you know, gives that that piece of the story. But she gives him enough, well, you he, know. And it worked in that situation, but he kind of overplayed his hand with Abdi too because he basically kind of like, oh, I know you did it. I have a witness. Mm-hmm. Even though I guess he, I guess he was kind of led to believe that somebody did see him do it, but he was definitely kind of prodding like he did with her, like, hey, cut the bullshit. I know you, ha- you know something. Yeah. And – you know, Abdi didn't do it. And uh, we get the the very interesting scene that we'll find out more, you know. Mm-hmm. Pop looks to have a heart attack, a stroke, or something where he passes yeah, out. Something. And Abdi's holding Bobby by the leash, and that leash is getting <laughs> looser and looser, which Bobby's a good d- name for a dog. I, I don't know why I've never named my dog Bobby. Yeah, that's a good name. Um, yeah, I, I just, I really love that scene. I mean, I think, I think she's always really great, Lizzie Kaplan, um, in this role. And I think Annie is a very interesting character um, in of herself. And she's just interesting to watch on screen because I feel like I don't quite know what to expect from her because she goes from one extreme to another. Um, But I thought that this was a really great scene. And I love it so much when when Pops does tell her, he's like, cut the bullshit. And she kind of looks down and she mutters under her breath, language. Yeah, Um, uh uh-huh. Loved it so much because I did watch Misery over this weekend. Um, I dedicated myself, me and my kiddo were like, you know, because I knew we weren't going to be able to really watch a whole lot during the week because we're just too busy with things and she works and I work and everything else. I thought, let's watch some scary movies. And uh, I was like, let's watch Misery. I'm really in the mood, you know, um, all this Castle Rock and um, visit with Annie Wilkes and Misery coming to Castle Rock got me dying to see this again. And I haven't watched it in years. So I watched it. And there's a scene in the movie where Annie gets really upset with Paul about um, the cursing. And spoiler alert again, but Jesus, it's been a long time. So if you haven't watched Misery already, um, get on it. But there's a scene where she gets on to Paul about the cursing in his new book that she's reading. And she gets (laughs) really bent out of shape. And I mean, just really kind of goes off the deep end about something so minor. And he's really, Paul's really calm about it. But this is when he first sees, I think, um, that... Annie is like, okay, there's something I think wrong with her. She's, she's a little bit off here to go to such an extreme over something as, as like foul language. So I just thought that was really interesting that she, um, 
you know, kind of brought that up and she's like, oh, language, you know, <laughs> like, cause she's got definitely her own versions of, of, of words, right? She's oh, yeah. dirty bird, cockadoodie, uh-huh. you know, things like that. Um, and it was funny uh, to, to go into that even further when she sees that couple, those squatters having sex in, in the Marston house and she comes upon them. She's, and the woman sees her and screams and Annie jumps and, says i swear she says christmas and and bolts for the door and i laughed so hard i had to rewind it just to make sure that i heard it right i did not have the closed caption i typically on my second watch will will do closed caption just so i make sure i don't miss um any dialogue but i didn't this time i swear she said christmas (laughs) and now moving forward i am now going to use that as my oh shit um, <laughs> word um, in the moment instead of saying oh shit I'm going to say Christmas <laughs> I love it That's I'm probably going to go to hell for it but um, I'm already going there so might as well um, <laughs> might as well add another thing to the list yeah add it to the list and I'm going to have a fun ride on my way so anyway I just really loved that whole moment with Annie and Pops and just thought that was just a great um, great play on the character that I'm just I'm having such a good time with in this season so Love That's it. my number two. Well, so you didn't Sean, take my number I'll one. Say, let's hear your number one. I didn't. I didn't stampede all over it. My number one is Ace is alive. Maybe, Maybe. Uh, we, we get think. <laughs> uh, we get a great kind of scene where she's sitting in the car. She's just had this argument with her with her daughter. One beetle, two beetle, three beetle. <laughs> And then she checks Everywhere. in the mirror and she sees him just standing there. And it's all like, this is like, is this a pet cemetery type scenario? Like, is that no what this shit. is referenced to? Uh, Dead is better. Did he not actually die? We, I didn't get a good view of his mouth to see if he's like kind of like gained back his functionality. Hey, he, yeah, he didn't look too bad mm. there, right? For having an ice cream scoop shoved down his throat. So I really love that this is getting us like, it's kicking off right away now. So it's like, you've got two really great episodes and now it's like, okay, this guy that was kind of a dick who's dead, like, all right, yeah. moving on. It's like, nope, guess what? The laws of nature in this, this series, this, this season, throw them out the window. Somebody dies, they can come back to life. Hells yeah. And hey, it's a Stephen King universe. Nobody stays dead. That's true. Right? This is, this is, this is what happens when you're in the Stephen King universe. You can just count on the dead guy or the bad guy, the dead guy ain't staying dead for too long. Yeah, that was creepy. And, you know, I'm willing to bet his personality has not improved um, with his death. I bet he's probably still a dick. Now he's just a really pissed off dick because he he got killed and he's going to be back. And um, he's up to no good. He killed the guy. I'm I'm 100% positive that he he's the one that killed the squatters. He's the one that took the axe to the face to that to um, that other guy, Abdi's um, co-worker or staff, whatever, that went and checked up there. Um, and then, yeah, we see him. He's kind of stalking even his own brother. Um you know, oh, yeah. at the, oh, that was a super creepy scene, too. Wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so he's kind of stalking him around there. And that was kind of a Christine moment, didn't you think, when the um, the car horn goes off the same, and, the, yeah. and the lights kind of flicker. When the lights came on, it kind of had that same kind of view of Christine. Um, I felt like you know, the car I remember shifted, movie shot. too. Like it, I felt like it looked like one thing, and then when he got up to it, it was something different. I need to rewatch Maybe. that again because it was just kind of a weird light camera action on it. Yeah. Well, I feel like they do some bendy things in, in, in Castle Rock that you, there's just like these strange little editing moments that you're like, wait, what was that? Did that just happen or what just happened? Um, so you're, you're probably not too far, um, too far off of that. But yeah, that felt like a little bit of a Christine moment. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, we got to figure out and I hope, hope we get some answers as to what the hell was in that cavern or in that crypt room that Annie was in because when Ace fell down, he fell on top of this like coffin and this slimy stuff, he, he lands in it. And I swear, did you see it? It wasn't just me, right? That this slime was like growing on him. Uh, like yeah, it was moving it on definitely him. It was like each shot made it seem like it was more and more engrossing him. Yeah, I mean it was very slow, so you really had to kind of watch it because it was almost had like this little sparkle to it as the as whatever night moonlight or whatever was shining down, and I swear that goo was like slowly, very slowly, just engulfing him. So I think 
that is what has possibly reanimated him. Uh, whatever evil it, that it is, is it going to be vampires? Is it something to do with witches? I like um, that you said that because uh, one of the the notes I have. Um, Spoiler alerts if you don't know about Salem's Lot, but again, that's pretty much like the foregone conclusion of it. But yeah, there's vampires in Salem's Lot. There are. Uh, when she goes to check on Joy, the nurse, she says, like, where's my daughter? And he says, oh, well, we had to make more room for the blood drive. Ooh, good catch. Good catch. Oh, I totally missed that. That was good. Damn it. But yeah, my number one, though, is just Ace is Alive. Well, that was my number one, too. And I actually called him Ace the Walking Dead, <laughs> just to give it a little bit of a tie. I don't think he's a zombie. I think I think it might have something to do with either vampires or some sort of ritualistic, um, you know, like there were witches and he's talking, you know, like I said, they... I know that that's where Jerusalem's lot comes from, but I, like I said, they they kind of take some things from the Stephen King universe and they kind of twist it a little bit. So I don't know if that's what they're doing here, but you know, Ace was or sorry, Pops was talking about you know the witches and they weren't good witches. They apparently had some like they were like more like Satanists. So I don't know if it was like some ritualistic things happening or if it is vampires. Hopefully, more to come. Um, but yeah, that was really good. All right. Well, notes. Do you have some more notes on top of of that one? <clears throat> yeah, I had a couple. So I'm really kind of confused by how she got the hole filled up so quickly. I, it was a really, really quick shot. And if you if you didn't catch it, you'd miss it so easy. She put like a, a big slab of wood to cover the hole. Okay. And then she put dirt on top of it. So okay. it, it basically looked like that hole was just never there. I must have missed that. Cause I looked down to write a note and when I looked up, she's like putting like two shovels on. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Something she found doesn't some wood. Okay. Yeah. I had to watch it twice and I missed it the first time too. Cause I was um, looking down, taking a note, but I had to catch it on my second one. And I was like, Oh, okay. It, it doesn't actually show her. It just shows like a pe- like wood slab. And then I you gotcha. see dirt. Um, covering it up. So that's what I kind of got from it is that she managed to find some wood big enough to cover that hole um, and then covered that up with dirt. Uh, I like the line when Chris is at Ace's place and he basically says, like, you better be sick or dead. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, as far as we know so far, could be both. Mm, very much so. Uh, there was a really great shot when Annie was in the the waiting room and she's kind of having this, like, mental breakdown and she thinks everybody's looking at her and you see the camera panning and everybody's looking at her. She pops some pills. And when she looks back up, nobody's paying her attention whatsoever. I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed that shot. Um, it seems like Chris and his stepsister have a thing, which I guess they're not really stepsister and brother, but they're. Yeah. Well, they're kind of like, um, foster kids who all grow up in a house together or something or adopted kids. Um, yeah, I don't know what that's about. I was kind of confused when he's talking about, I guess he left a voicemail and he's apologizing for it. So he Seems must have like a kind of crossed a thing. little bit of a line. Yeah. He, he's, he's caught some feelings and yeah, drunk dialed that 3am phone call that we all regret. <laughs> next <Yep. day. laughs> No, I have never done that. I'm just saying that's what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, uh, that's all I had for my notes. That's awesome. A couple notes. Uh, my notes are more leaning towards Easter eggs. Um, instead of putting them in the um, like news section, I just put them in my notes. Um, not a lot of Easter eggs just yet. I feel like we're probably going to start getting more and more as we go. We're only on the second episode, but here's what I have so far. Um, and I don't have an exact source because I get them off a couple different things off the internet. Some I get off myself. Some are um, online. These were my online Easter eggs. Um, everything is 19. So we talked a little bit about the last episode that the number 19 uh, is kind of a big number in the Stephen King world. We see it a lot. Well, in this episode, a wooden plaque in the cavern where Annie falls reads Damien a coin, May 14th, 1619. Not only did he die in 1619, the year that Castle Rock was founded, he died on 514 and 5 plus 14 equals 19. And 1619, if you move the six around, that's 19. Ooh, there you go. If you flip it, yeah. See, we're here to blow your minds. Um, 
Another Easter egg is Nan's luncheonette. So in the flashback to when Pop adopted uh, Abdi and Nadia, he gives them food and milkshakes from this classic King location featured in The Dark Half, Needful Things, It, and The Sun Dog, as well as being name-dropped in Season 1 of Castle Rock. Um, we've talked about the Marston house already, but that is an Easter egg in of itself. Um, because as we talked about, Marston house is a direct reference to, uh, the central location of King's second novel published in 1975. Um, so we've already talked a little bit about that. Um, but that is an Easter egg in of itself. And you mentioned the line when, and I got to get Ace's brother. Uh, I cannot think of his damn name, but when he does walk into Ace's house and you said, um, he said the line, you better be sick or dead. I shit you not that I believe I didn't go back and watch, but I believe is the exact line. The prison guard said when he went into Andy Dufresne's cell and found him gone, Uh. I swear that's the exact same thing. Um, and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Shawshank and if you have seen Shawshank and you're listening to us how dare you um go watch Shawshank damn it um it's a beautiful show um a few other notes have mentioned they're not really um notes notes but I just want to make sure that I give some credit where credit is due um so last week I mentioned Masters of Sex uh, a tv show that Lizzie Kaplan was in that I watched um her in that was really enjoyable I thought it was really great she was fabulous I thought that the show, I I said, oh, I think it's on HBO. It's not on HBO. It was on Showtime. Um, So thank you, listener, that pointed that out to me. I'm sorry I didn't write your name down here, but you know who you are. Thank you for pointing that out and correcting me. I got to give credit where it's due. So for anyone that is interested in that, check it out if you have Showtime. Um, It was a really great um, series. And then um, also some really great listeners also pointed out, you know, we kind of talked a little bit that first episode when um, Ace confronts Annie uh, right before she kills him and he um, finds out who she is and he confronts her with that information. And both you and I were like, how the hell did he know that? Well, duh, my paranoid ass who swears her FBI agent is staring at her right now (laughs) on this camera as you and I are talking, Sean, did totally overlook the fact that um, Ace gave free Wi-Fi to all of the folks in oh, his yeah. little cabin area that he owns. Well, if he controls the Wi-Fi, he can totally spy on what they're doing. And when Annie is Googling herself, because she does have a computer. I mean, clearly she doesn't let Joy use it, but she does have a computer. And she's Googling herself and she's, you know, finding, you know, kind of digging up her own information. Well, Ace can see all of that because he's got He's got control over the Wi-Fi. Now, I don't know how all that works on the background. You probably know, Sean, because you're the IT guy. Um, But that was a really great point. I can't believe that totally went over my paranoid ass. Um, But thank you, listeners, for pointing that out. So I want to give folks um, credit for that. Um, So thanks again. That's all my notes for this week. I think we covered that one pretty darn well, at least I'm happy with it. Yeah. It's, again, this is one of those after this episode ended, I, I just wanted to kick into that next one. That's what I love about these shows that we do that are like that. I know. I'm really anxious to see what happens now. Like you said, after, um, you know, Ace just boom right there, like standing there like a creepy ass Michael Myers without the mask uh, behind Annie's car there. Yep. Without any Halloween candy. <laughs> that's right. You see, that's not right. Um Well, I think we covered that pretty well. I'm really excited to get into one of my favorite parts of the podcast, um, and that's letters from The Laughing Place, our listener feedback portion. Um, John, you want to take that first one for me? Yeah. So our first one comes from Lindsay Slitch. So where are my eyes playing tricks, or was that goo sliding up over Ace's body? The conversation between Nadia and Chris in the hospital, please tell me I'm wrong about the vibe I was picking up. (laughs) Please, no more couples who are related. The Lannisters have ruined normal TV relationships. More things to wonder about the Beatles. Is Ace truly back or is Annie having a hallucination? Another tough week to wait for the next episode. Oh, gosh. Those are really good points, Lindsay. I like that. Oh, yeah. Could be a hallucination. That's a really good point. It's true. I mean, we know uh, Annie is not the most stable person um, ever. That's for sure. Thanks, Lindsay. That was great. Next one that we have is from Doug Fick. He says, just when you thought this episode might tone it down again, then bam, axe to the head, keeping the pedal to the floor. I like it. Annie in the tunnel at the open had a Shawshank feel. 
is it me or in movies and TV shows, um, i.e. Walking Dead, there's always a shovel within arm's reach when you need one. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> handy. When Chris goes to Ace's place and says, you better be sick or dead, I shit you not, that is what the guards said in Shawshank and when Andy would would not exit his cell after his escape in the movie. Oh, good pickup, Doug. Um, Wondering what the turning of the one-eyed mannequin's head is all about. Wait, what? Was there turning of the one-eyed mannequin's head? Didn't the guy move it? I thought the guy, like, moved the head. Shit, did I miss a mannequin in there somewhere? It was in the, the mall, I thought. Shit, I gotta go back and watch that. I must have been taking notes. I gotta start pausing this shit. Um, sorry, he goes on to say, I like the short backstory as to why Ace holds such resentment to his step-siblings. Do you think Annie got her necklace from the Jane Seymour Two Hearts collection <laughs> at sales? <laughs> hey, my mom loves those. <laughs> sorry. Annie is quite the manipulator as she has now <laughs> has fooled Pop and Nadia with her single tear, tear technique. The beeping car with the headlights on appears to be a nod to Christine. I agree. Annie has her meds but sees Ace. Is this a hallucination or a resurrection? And is the axe killer a human or a supernatural being? Maybe tying my kids to a chair and threatening them with a vicious dog would have been a better way to get them to clean their rooms. <laughs> Try it in a few years, Sean. I so want to watch episode three. I guess I will pass the time with my you rewatch. Dirty bird quotient remains at three. So flipping good. That's awesome. Oh, are you rewatching you? God, that was good, wasn't it? I'm, I'm some- excited for you season two, completely yeah. under Netflix's uh, run. So Yeah, definitely. We had fun with that one for sure. That was really great feedback, Doug. Yeah, you certainly had me giggling. So nice job. I always appreciate it. It's hard to get a giggle out of me. So I I appreciate that. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. And we've also got a voicemail this week from our good friend, Steve Brown. Hello, Rena and Sean. This is Steve. And this is for Castle Rock Season 2, Episode 2, New Jerusalem. (laughs) I can't do a Carly Simon impression uh love that you i could i was racking my brain i was killing me and i couldn't i just didn't have time to look it up and so i'm so glad that you said who was singing that because i just i don't know why i totally blanked on it but i did um also i want to thank you for the easter egg the stephen king easter eggs and references because i don't get probably any of them because i'm just i i mean i like some of this stuff but i've never been a big follower or reader of a lot of this stuff. Like I've read the stand, I've read it, but I've not really like spent a lot of time concentrating on it. So I really appreciate your insights into those things. Thank Uh, you. And so she, did she fall into, it looked like it was like a mausoleum that she fell into. It's a big empty space below where they're going to pour the foundation for this mall. Wouldn't they already have known about this? It seems like I don't I don't get how and then I don't get how she was able to cover it back up successfully. Well, that you explained it to me too. So maybe you guys I watched it three times and I still am not sure how she accomplished that. And um, Pop, I uh, I really love this character. I hope he survives with the this whatever happened to him, whether he had a stroke or a heart attack or. Uh, just passed out from uh, not having his chemo that day. And um, is it is it a little bit of a – is there something wrong with, with Joy being able to use – successfully use voice search on a phone when she's not really done that ever, I think? <laughs> That's what we're supposed to, to mm-hmm. get, right? And then I uh, loved Anne making up her story uh, in front of Pop and getting him to believe it that quickly. So – um, sure, there's other stuff. I can't wait to hear what you guys thought. Talk to you later. Uh, thanks, Aww, Steve. Yeah, thanks, I can't Steve. get my Siri to work at all anyway. Like all those like no. Alexas and Googles and all that stuff. I'm just like, hey, can you do this? And it's like, don't understand. And I get in a fight with it and then I have to sleep on the couch. Yeah, um, I struggle. I struggle with Siri quite often. Um and then Alexa, her and I disagree quite often. And she she gets a little sassy and starts talking when I haven't talked to her. So, like I said, total paranoia that somebody is just eavesdropping in my room while I'm watching TV. And, you know, she just starts talking out of the blue. And I'm like, what the fuck, Alexa? Sorry, potty mouth here. Language. Um, <laughs> language. Language. Um, language. So, Language. 
and it really stresses me out. I don't like cursing guys. I can't take it. Um, I might freak out and spill soup all over the bed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a really great voicemail. I'm glad that you appreciate the Easter eggs, Steve. Um, I hope I have I have a lot of fun with the Easter eggs. I hope other people enjoy them. Um, haven't like I said, haven't been a whole lot. I can't claim all of them. There's a couple I pick up on my own. Um, a couple I get offline, and if anybody wants links to them or something, I'm happy to provide them. Um, I'll start resourcing them if I need to, so you guys know where to find them. But just Google or Hey Siri or Hey Google and ask for them. Oh, look, Siri just came alive. Good thing that I have my headphones on my <laughs> Siri because she just woke up. So creepy. <laughs> She's anyway, like, the, myth, the hidden ghosts are in your room. You're like, what? Yeah. Where are the um, hidden ghosts in Haunting of Hill House? That's when I really, I can't wait for it to come back. You know, it was a year ago, Sean, that we were watching. I looked back and and that we were covering, how's it been a year? How's it been a year? Season two's got to be starting soon. I know they, I think they wrapped production at least, but... um, but anyway, I, I not to take the attention off of Castle Rock, but I was going through some of our podcast stuff and I've got someone I know that's watching Haunting of Hill House for the first time. So it's like kind of exciting getting yeah. to like live nice. through it kind of for the first time or whatever. So anyway, um, yeah, that was a year ago. So, such a great Halloween show. Um, but back on track with Castle Rock, I love this episode. I think this was a really great, strong follow up to the first episode. So I'm really excited to see where we go with um, episode Three, so exciting that we're recording this on Halloween, yeah. favorite damn oh, yeah. holiday of the year. This was absolutely awesome, and um, thank you everyone for your patience because we were a little late getting this out. We were hoping to cover two episodes this week um, to get caught up. Um, uh, we had some illness, so thank you everyone that wished um, it was Sean. I'm going to put it on. Is Sean was sick? No. It was all him. It was his fault. Uh, <laughs> I went to bed at like eight. Well, I went to bed at like seven o'clock and that was the one night my son's like, you know what? I'm going to cry for an hour and a half before you go to sleep. It's like, oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah, it's perfect timing, right? So, but anyway, uh, we had lots of well wishes um, for you to get better. So thank you to everyone who wished Sean well um, to get well again. So now that he's back on his feet, we'll um, be looking to try and uh, make that effort to get caught up again. So everyone be sure to look out for that when we post for feedback and stuff. We really would love to have your participation. So thank you everyone who does participate and listen to us every week. Um, it, it makes my heart happy. So thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Really appreciate it. Uh, so next week we'll only be covering one episode because I'm taking those misses to wine country. Uh, happy wife, happy life. That's right. So <laughs> next week we'll be covering just the third episode of Castle Rock season two titled Ties That Bind. And the scripture for this episode is Annie Taste Her Own Medicine. Ooh, interesting. Um, Well, we're really excited for you to travel to Salem's Lot with us. And while visiting, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange TCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Stranger TCast. You can check us out on Instagram at Strange underscore Indeed underscore pod. Go out and give us a follow on our Instagram. Our 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 little like following um, has kind of we're not losing people, but I'm not seeing a whole lot of action. Um, show me some love, guys. Do you know how much it makes my day when I see that little notification that we've yeah, got new Rima followers? Puts in a ton of work in our social. She does all that part of it, and she does an amazing <laughs> job. So, oh well, just sign people you. up, <clears throat> borrow their phone, it? hit a follow. Don't don't make me pay for followers, guys. <clears throat> don't make don't make me be one of those. <laughs> People that pay for followers. <laughs> I've got 100,000 followers, but like a 100 engagement. Right. Yeah, I love, I love seeing that. It makes, it makes my day. It makes me smile. Um, bring, bring me a smile in this, this gloomy, uh, wintry weather that we've got going on. Um, so yeah, that'd be great. And including in all of our social media, you can also email us because we love getting your emails as well. Um, you can email us at stranger things, at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV time app. 
You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed and all the other great Podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcasts. So much Podcastica goodness. Got Walking Dead cast covering the current season of Walking Dead. Really great season so far. I know you wouldn't know anything about that, Sean. Um, but that that's going really well. Some really good things that will be happening pretty soon on House Podcastica. I don't want to like announce anything because... Um, um, there hasn't been anything formal. There's been talk, but I, it's not my place to announce. So um, be sure to check out some announcements for House Podcastica and, of course, us here. And because we love to give out great podcast information, you have to check out Sean in his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday. What's hopping on this week? Oh, so this week uh, I... <clears throat> you can kind of tell my voice is a little bit gone still, but I read uh, <laughs> one of my scripts I wrote back in 2016, Perfect Holiday for Halloween, scary script. If you like Rob Zombie and you know that kind of like really dark, scary horror, uh, yeah. that'll be the one for you. So, uh, And if you're interested, it's got a few little bit of uh, ladies in it. So, uh, And I Ooh. do the lady voices, so it's probably not as sexy as you'd hope, but <laughs> give it, it a Sean. listen and let me know what you think. Had me going there for a minute. That's some <laughs> sexy ladies. Um, well, that's awesome. We look forward to that. All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 107, New Jerusalem. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Nikki Campbell-Keith is strange indeed. <laughs>